Welcome home. As you listen to New Life the Fort, may you continue to experience the fullness of joy, life, and Christ in the days ahead. Hebrews 4, 1 to 3 in the Passion Translation. It says, Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they, did not, they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. How many believers here? So this is you. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. And we experience the realm of confident rest. Father, as we come before you this afternoon, we are confident in who you are. That as we continue to look upon Jesus' face, you're going to open up a whole realm a wonderful realm for us to walk in and enjoy, which is called life. I pray that with eyes wide open, ears ready to hear, hearts that are ready to receive, every single person here is a container waiting to be filled to overflowing by you. We know that we will not be disappointed. We thank you that as you are here today, we may have uh, entered here one way, but we're going to leave here just as you are. So we thank you that from, from ever-increasing splendor, from one glory to, to the next, each and every one of us is going higher. There are greater levels for us to step into, and it begins today for us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. We need peace right now. We need to be confident that we are at peace with God. Remember last week we were talking about this, that sometimes we can begin to get exhausted and tired and worn out because we're, so, we're struggling and we're striving to earn God's favor when God was the one who did it all. That's why we need to look to Jesus. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. See, there will be distractions that will come your way. There will be things that will try to take your focus off Jesus. But it says, as you're looking at those things, turn away from them and look intently to Jesus. Look to him because he is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the one who began a good work in you and he is faithful to complete it until he returns. This is our Jesus. Jesus is the one who gave us, our, gave us peace with the Father. He's the one who made the way when he was the one who suffered in our place. Jesus is the one who paid the ultimate price by giving of himself and shedding his blood for us. Not just a little bit. We heard about this last week. It's not just one drop of blood. But he had to pour it all out for you and for me. One drop may have been enough, but it wasn't. Every sacrifice that God had asked in the Old Testament had to have been the blood, complete sacrifice of an animal. 
To do what? To atone or to cover the sin. But praise God when Jesus, once and for all, the sacrificial lamb, took our place. Once and for all, it was wiped away. What was wiped away? Sin. Sin was taken care of at the cross. Oh, but pastor, I still mess up. That's why our minds need to be renewed. Renewed to who you are in Christ. What is your identity now in Christ? Who are you in Christ? It's no longer you who lives, the Bible says in Galatians 2. But it is Christ who lives within you. He's just using our body because we let him. But it is his spirit that is alive in us. His spirit that is alive in us. But, you know, we need to be able to come to a place where we are, as we're looking unto Jesus, we find ourselves rested. Rested. So what I want to talk to you about today is being rested. Uh, Restfulness. Restfulness. The scripture that I read to you in Hebrews 4, it talks about having a confident rest. Now that's interesting that we talk about a confident rest. Why? Because sometimes when we try to rest, we're actually stressed. How many of you have ever slept with a lot on your mind? You slept early, but when you woke up the next day, you were more tired than when you went to sleep. Yes? Okay. Most of us get stressed. How many have ever experienced pressure? Everyone should be raising their hand. It's amazing if you haven't ever experienced pressure. But all of us at some point have, have either been stressed or pressured or anxious or worried. Yes? Talking to the right people. But Jesus said this, that worrying is not going to add anything to you. It doesn't add a day to your life. In fact, worry, anxiety, stress, all of these things are meant to rob you of rest. It's meant to rob you. That's what the enemy is trying to do. And if he can get your focus off the blessing, the blessed one, and he keeps your eyes on the, on the distraction, then you're not going to be able to receive because you can't see. But Jesus wants us to see that the blessings have already been avail made available for you and for me. That we don't have to stress out. We don't have to worry. We don't have to pull out our hair. We don't have to figure it out on our own. How to solve a problem. Because we already have the solution. We don't, he, isn't just, he doesn't just have the answer. He is the answer. Jesus himself said it. Do not worry about what you're going to eat. Do not worry about where you're going to sleep. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. The heavenly father already knows that you need all of these things. Don't worry about them. What are we supposed to do? Just trust him. Just trust him. If he already knows that we need it, then he's already made provision for us ahead of us. Our future is not just decided, it's prepared. And so we need to be able to step into that. But anxiety and fear and worry are going to stop you in your tracks. You won't move. But what's our part? If we continue to look to Jesus and we continue to look at the goal, we will continue to run. We will continue to run. Let's look at Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 6 to 8 in the Passion Translation says this. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer. Throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. 
I love this scripture. I love the fact that it says to be saturated with prayer because prayer is not complicated. Prayer is not having to be on your knees 24-7. Prayer is simply acknowledging that God is there, being aware of his presence and saying, okay, Lord, I can hear you. I can hear you. Pastor, that's so bold to say you can hear him. Of course I can. He's my father. I'm his daughter. I should be able to hear the voice of my father. In fact, he takes the responsibility for me to hear him. He will make sure that I hear him and I understand him. But he allows me the choice to whether I want to follow or not. But to be saturated in prayer simply means that I am now saturated with his presence. And I want what he wants. And because I know that he only has the best in store for me, then I will now begin to overflow with thanksgiving and gratitude unto him. Why? Because I've seen his faithfulness before. I've experienced it before. And if he's done it then, he will definitely do it now. And he will do it for me later. But that's why I can be thankful. Because he is ever faithful. He is ever faithful and true. And he goes on to say, tell, God, tell him every detail of your life. Tell him every detail of your life. Pastor, he's God. He knows every detail. But God is into relationship. Even if, it, if, God wants to, uh, if, even if God knows everything about your life, he still wants to hear from you. Because why are you sharing with him? Because you have a relationship with him. You know that he loves you. You know he doesn't condemn you. And so you share every detail of your life with him. How many people are married? Okay, it's not a sin. It's all right. You can raise your hand a little higher. It's like, I don't know. But, but spouses, don't you want to share what you've been through, what you're going through with your spouse? God never meant it to be that we were alone in our walk. That's why he put us with people and we can, that we can share life with, that we can be accountable to as they are accountable to us, that we share life together. In fact, what happens is iron sharpens iron. And that's what God is doing. He's making us sharp. He's making us ready. For what? For whatever is coming our way. Because even when a challenge comes, he's still standing by your side. That's why when you tell him every little detail, God reminds you, I'm right here, daughter. Don't worry. That giant may be big, but I'm much bigger. That mountain may be huge, but have you seen how big I am? Not that God is boasting in himself, but he's simply telling you, take your eyes off the bigness of your problem and look to the bigness of your father, your God. Tell him every detail of your life. Then, God's wonderful peace. Turn to your neighbor and say, peace be with you. God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding, will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. I love the fact that it says, he will make the answers known to you. There isn't a question of he might. It says he will. When his peace comes into the picture, his peace is nothing missing, nothing broken. His peace means whole and complete. When his peace comes in, he will begin to speak to you about Jesus. Because that's where, that, that's where peace comes from. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And there is no peace apart from him. 
And so as the Prince of Peace comes in, he can only do who he is. And when he brings peace, the answers come. See, that's how God speaks to us through the Son. In Hebrews 1, it talks about how in times past, God used to speak to us through the forefathers as well as through the prophets. But now, he speaks to us through his Son. You want to hear God's answer to what you're going through? Look to Jesus. Hear him only. Hear him only, and the answers will come. As you're sitting here, I believe this with all my heart, you are beginning to download the answers from heaven to the questions you have. You may be facing some problems, but he is the solution. And he has a way out for you. Just open up your ears to listen. Because he is speaking. But pastor, you're speaking. Beyond my words, the Holy Spirit brings revelation to you. And he causes you to hear the answers that you need. Then it goes on to say, so keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. So keep your thoughts continually fixed. Why continually fixed? Why keep your thoughts? Because you have a choice to make daily. You have a choice to make daily when, it, when, when distractions come. When problems come, when pressures come, you have a choice whether you're going to fix your eyes and your thoughts on the problem or you're going to look to Jesus who is the answer. It says keep your thoughts continually fixed. Keep them continually fixed on what? The things that are authentic and real. The world is looking for, th for people who are authentic and real. They know what a fake is like and they don't want that. And Jesus is no fake. If you want authentic and real, Jesus is the real deal. If you want things that are honorable and admirable, who is the one that gave up being, sharing God's deity with him? To become man like us. So that he could die on a cross for mankind. Man dying for man. That he didn't consider it robbery, the Bible says, to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation. Coming in the form of a bondservant. Coming in the form of a man. In the likeness of men. He went to the cross. He died. But praise God, he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose again to life. That's something that's honorable. The world looks at his death as not honorable. But there's no greater honor because he is worthy of what he has done. He is worthy of the highest praise, worthy of the highest honor, worthy of the highest blessing and power, whatever it is, he is worthy of it because of what he has finished. Honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful. Why respectful? Because he honored what the Father asked of him. He honored in humility, what the Father asked of him. And beautiful, when people look at the cross, it's not a beautiful thing, but for us, it's beauty. Because we see how beautiful our Savior is, the one who took our place. We were the ones who were meant to die, but he was the one who gave his life. For what? So that you and I could live. Then it says, pure and holy. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on the things that are pure and holy. Anywhere you go, 
Your eyes see things that are naked, unclean, impure. That's why he says, keep your eyes on the things that are pure and holy. Where will you find that? In the face of Jesus, in his word. Then it says, merciful and kind. God showed the world incredible mercy and loving kindness by sending his son Jesus. And that's what we now fasten our thoughts on every good, every glorious work of God, praising him always. Fasten our thoughts. What does it mean to fasten? It means to hook up with. It means to hold on to. To fasten, like to fasten your belt is to tighten it. To hold your pants up because you don't want things to fall. To fasten or hold, grab onto something and not let go. But it says to fasten your thoughts. Fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God. See, when the distractions come and the thoughts begin to come and say, you know what, I don't think God's going to come through. You can go back to how, God, how, God, how good God was in the past. Those memorials of his goodness, his faithfulness to you. You are now fastening your thoughts on the glorious work of God. And as you begin to see that, you begin to say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that there is no problem too big. I thank you that in spite of this storm, I'm going to the other side side. I thank you, Lord, that you're not just in my boat, you're in me. I thank you, Lord, that I'm standing on a solid rock. Though the storms may come, the winds will blow, the waters will rise. I am immovable in this place. But we fasten our thoughts on his glorious works. Not our glorious works, his glorious work. What he has done. But it's hard to fasten if you're weighted down. It's hard to grab hold of something and try to hold on to it when you have weights that are pulling you down. How many of you have ever climbed on monkey bars? You know, you kind of swing. Very few people, you need to get out. Go to a playground with your kids and play. But if you're hanging on monkey bars and your feet can't touch the ground, you can't be there very long. Why? Because the weight of your body is going to pull you down. If you're climbing a mountain, let's say you decided to climb Everest, the higher you go, the less things you have to carry. The less weight is on your back, the higher you go. If you're in a balloon, a hot air balloon, if the balloon needs to rise higher, it has to drop the weights. The sandbags that are holding it at a certain level. New life, the fort, it's time to drop the sandbags. It's time to rise up into the next level that God has for you. This is a great view where you are, but can you imagine what you can see further on as you go higher in him? And so we need to lift these weights off us. In fact, in Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says this. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Every weight that slows us down. Do you know that I can actually beat the fastest man in the world in a race? In a 100-meter dash, I can win the race. In fact, you can win the race 
if he has a grand piano strapped to his back. If the fastest man in the world carried a grand piano on his back, he would not be able to finish the race. He would be finished. He won't be able to carry that by himself. It will crush him. Sometimes the weights we carry, we don't even realize are crushing us. And at every level, we need to begin to get rid of the things that are unnecessary. They may have been necessary at that moment for that season, but there are things that are no longer needed and you have to let those weights go because they will stop you from running. They will slow you down. They will crush you and God doesn't want you crushed. He wants you to finish the race strong. As this crowd of witnesses is cheering you on, he wants you to finish strong, but he doesn't stop there. He says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. That is your choice. It is your choice to let go of those weights. God cannot remove that off you unless you let him. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Another version says, or another translation says, the sin that so easily ensnares us. Now, this is what Pastor Alvin and I believe about what this sin could be. Because we're like, see, Pastor, sin. I thought Jesus took care of sin. Well, the sin here that so easily trips us up or a sin that so easily ensnares us is thinking that we can do it all by ourselves. That we can work it out on our own. That we are full of pride. Because I am so awesome. I mean, when we're looking at works, we're talking about dead works. What are dead works? Our dead works are the things that are, are, are trying to get us to reach God. Things that we think that God will want us to do. Things that we believe that, uh, that we think that that's going to make us pleasing to God. God was pleased with you when he sent his son Jesus. He was pleased with you even before you received Jesus. <gasps> What are you saying? How can he have been pleased with me? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It pleased the father to crush and bruise his son so that he would end up having sons and daughters. He was pleased already. He loved you. You didn't have to earn his favor. He gives you grace. Unlimited. But it's unearned. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. You weren't so good that you merited grace. You weren't so good that God said, well, because he or she was so good, I have to send my son now. When we were at the worst of the worst of the worst, he still gave us his very best. He still gave us his very best. And he loves us with a love that is unequal in any way. Nothing can compare to this love that he loves us with. But he doesn't want us to come to a place where we begin to say, Lord, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. I'm talented enough. We'll never be enough. That's why Jesus had to come. Because he was more than enough. And so when we come to that place where we think it's all about us, because you know what works does? These dead works kind of trick you. It, it, it's like it's disguised by, oh, this is for God. 
You know, when God gives you instructions, he's pretty clear. He tells you what you need to do. In fact, the Bible says, be still and know that he is God. Be still. Does being still mean that you don't move, you don't do anything? No. It means you are led by the Spirit of God as to what you need to do. See, God created us for good works. But he created us for the good works he prepared for us. And if he prepared it, then we need to know what he wants us to do. Not just assume, oh, this is going to be really good. Ask him. Father, is this what you want me to do today? I mean, it can be as simple as, Father, do you want me to park here today? What are you doing? You're just being more aware of him and his desires for you. He prepared us for good works, but it's not about how strong you are, how smart you are, how talented you are, how educated you are. It has nothing to do with that, but has everything to do with his son. See, God is the one who is all the while effectually at work in you. Energizing and creating in you both the desire to will and to work his good pleasure. His satisfaction. His delight. God is the one who knows what will satisfy him the most. And it's not because, oh, I'm going to come and I'm going to attend six services on a Sunday. That's going to please God. If you attend one, he's pleased with you. If you don't attend any, he's still pleased with you. <gasps> you don't want us to come to church? No, I want you to come to church. Because there's something about us coming together and fellowshipping and worshiping and hearing together. There's something about that. The church is all of us. We are the church. But we have a local body, which is called New Life the Fort, that happens to meet in a cinema or in the fourth floor, the Life Center. Or if you're watching Facebook Live, on Facebook, we meet there too. But we encourage people to come and fellowship with one another. This is a good work. I pray that you don't come to Sunday services because of religious duty. Because you're trying to get points with God. God doesn't have a scoreboard and say, Rain, okay, you have 10 points this week. Rachel, wow, Rachel, you have 20. Good job. Because she also armor-bared, and she also was in children's church. God doesn't do that. It's an equal playing field for everyone. Oh, but why are they more blessed? What is it? Well, maybe they're listening to what God's saying. Maybe they're just not doing everything and going everywhere, listening to every single person. They just allow the Spirit of God to speak to them, and they're led by what he says. See, these things of wanting to be busy, busy is not a blessing. Busy could stand for burdened under Satan's yoke. Now, work is a blessing. But pastor, you just said, no, wait, your job is a blessing. Because you have been given strength to do your job well. You have a spirit of excellence on the inside of you. It is a blessing. But when you begin to think that this job is all about you, then be careful. Be careful, because when pride puffs up, what happens? 
God can't exalt you into the higher places and he wants to bring you into promotions and increase. But being burdened under Satan's yoke, I don't want to be burdened under anything that Satan has to do. I don't want his yoke. The yoke that I have is light and easy because it's in Christ. I don't want things that are hard. I don't have to be striving. I don't have to be toiling. That's under a curse. And I am no longer under a curse. I am blessed, blessed, blessed. And so are you. And so are you. So busyness is not next to godliness. Just making sure that you know that busyness is not next to godliness. These are some of the things that the devil may use to, you know, choke the word. The Bible talks about the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. If you're always trying, striving, striving, this is what I want. Well, you know what? Just chill. You'll just get more and more stressed out. And you'll get more and more tired and worn out and burnt out and exhausted if you are trying to do things in and of your own strength and ability. You need to trust God. I mean, rest was so important that God instituted a day in creation just for rest. Six days he worked. On the seventh day he rested. He worked. It wasn't man who worked. God worked, and then he rested. What was he showing us? Man was created on the sixth day. So the very first day of man was rest. And what did God show him in that time of rest? He showed him what it meant to rule and reign as his father does, to act and be like God on the earth, to begin to speak things into being. Because that's how God worked. Did, it look, did God break a sweat when he was working? No. He just called things into being. He spoke them out. How are we supposed to work? We speak out the things that he puts in our heart. We speak out his words. We speak in agreement with what he has said. We release the promises so that they may come to pass. So we do that from a place of rest. That's where Adam was taught all of that. See, a place of rest is a place of receiving. Receiving what? Receiving everything you need from the Father. Everything you need from the Father, you receive in that time of rest. You coming here on a Sunday is rest. I pray that you're not stressed out because you come to service. I had to line up two hours. Praise God. Praise God, you're in the mall, it's air conditioned. Even if you're lining up, there's food everywhere. So you can line up happy and rested. And then you're sitting in a chair. I'm doing all the work, but I'm not stressed out about it. I'm at rest too. Something that, for me, when I come up on the stage and if I'm preaching, I always, I'm always asking, Father, what it is that you want said? Because I want to hear it even for me. Even as I'm speaking, there are things that God goes, oh, that's for you. And I'm like, okay, smile. Correction, adjustment, but I still smile because why? I can hear him. He's speaking to me as much as he's speaking to you, and he doesn't ever stop speaking. I, I, I say this all the time, and I really believe it. I believe that God's a talker. 
He doesn't even take a breath. He doesn't need to. He may pause for me, but he just continues to talk. And I'm going, okay, wow, Lord, that's awesome. But he just continues to speak. What is he doing? He's planting in me his word. For what? So that I can believe. Because my faith is important as I enter into rest. My faith is important. Why is my faith important? Because my faith tells me what I'm connected to or connected or whom I'm connected with. See, God isn't against work. He's not. In fact, he encourages us to labor into that rest. That's Hebrews 4.11. Be diligent to labor into that rest. Why do we need to labor into that rest? Why do we need to work into that rest? Because it's easier to stress. It's easier to worry. It's easier to fear. That's our default. That's why we need to renew our minds to the truth that that's not who we are anymore. I'm not a worrier. I'm a warrior. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. But we come into that place where we need to trust God. When we are laboring to enter that rest, we need him. We need his strength to cause us to enter into that rest. It says here, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Unbelief means there's no faith. There's doubt. And who was he talking about here? He was talking about Israel. When the Israelites left Egypt, they were being brought to a promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. A place where they didn't have to strive and struggle and toil for their food, for their water, for their homes. No, they just stepped on in. They take possession of the land and it's theirs. Because God said. But when 12 spies went out, 10 came back and said, yes, the land is good. But there are giants in the land and we can't take it. Because we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And yet two, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, we are well able to take the land. Let's go and take possession of it. But a whole generation believed the ten that did not believe in God. They were looking at their own ability. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. We are not strong enough to do it. While Joshua and Caleb, and the Bible says they were of a different spirit because they were hooked up to what, who God is. What they had seen, the God that brought them out of Egypt took care of the Egyptians in the Red Sea. The God that, had the, that was a pillar of smoke during the day and a pillar of fire at night. The one that provided manna for them, provided quail for them, provided water from a rock. When they saw these signs, they trusted and believed in him. But the rest didn't believe him. So where was their faith? Their faith was in their own ability. And if you're always looking at yourself, you will always fail. But if you look at the God who is far bigger than you are, you look unto Jesus, who is the author, the initiator of your faith, the one who began it, the one who will end it. If you look to him, he will make sure it will come to pass. That our faith will not, uh, let, will not end in disappointment. 
But we will find ourselves at every God appointment. Ever ready to step in and take possession of what he first possessed for us. We need to enter into this rest. Hebrews 4, 2-3, Passion Translation says, For we have heard the good news of deliverance, just as they did, but yet they did not join their faith with the word. They didn't collect, connect their believing to the word. They didn't connect their believing to what God spoke, his promise. See, when God gives a promise, he wants to fulfill it. That's why he gives it. Because he's simply saying here, this is my guarantee. I give you my word and you shall watch it be. He goes on to say, instead what they heard didn't affect them deeply. There was no root in what they heard. So it could not bear fruit for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. And we experience the realm of confident rest. What is rest? Rest for us is a place that we come into and we dwell. We live in. We abide in. Rest is our state of being. See, we are, we are righteous. That is our state of being right. But we are at rest because that is our state of being because we are at peace. That's why we rest. But it is who we are. Rest is a place that you and I are never supposed to leave. Rest is where we are supposed to do everything from. This place of rest. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, fixed on, fastened to. Because what? He trusts you. He has faith in you. I've seen God do amazing things, but I'm still expecting greater. I've seen God come through for our family. I'm gonna ex I still expect God to come through even greater. Because I can't look at our ability to perform, to make things happen. God gives me a promise. It's his promise to keep. It's not my ability to make it happen. It's his ability to do it. A God-sized promise needs, a God, needs God behind it. My part is simply to believe. Really, that's all the work we need. That's what Jesus said. When his disciples came to ask him, what is the work we need to do? What is it that we need to do so that we can do all these signs, these miracles? What is it? And Jesus said, just believe in the one that he has sent. Really, what Jesus was saying, believe in me. Believe in me. Why believe in him? Because for us as new covenant believers, Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our promised land. What God promised Israel to walk in, to step in, their place of rest, their place of refuge, what was theirs? Jesus said, here I am. Take me. In fact, when we find ourselves tired, worn out, burnt out on religion, when we find ourselves flagging in our faith, the message paraphrase says Hebrews and Hebrews 12:3. It says, when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. What story? The story of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. 
Go over that story, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. He didn't just walk through it. He went through it with force for you. And what will happen? The Bible says it will shoot adrenaline into your soul. What is adrenaline for? It's to spur you on into life. It is to cause you to live. And so when you find yourselves tired, when you find yourselves exhausted, when you find yourself just wanting to give up, Jesus says, you want to take a real rest? Come to me. Come to me. I'm the only one that can give you a real rest. He's the only one that can give you that. No amount of sleeping will give you rest if your mind is ever working. But when he can bring a peace to your mind and he tells you it's going to be all right, I've got your back. I'll take care of it. This is where casting your cares upon him comes in. Why? Because he cares for you. It's like you're lifting off that pressure, lifting it off your head and laying it at his feet and saying, Lord, you take care of it. You know why? Because you realize this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Any pressure, anything that's coming your way, greater is Jesus on the inside of you. It's like this picture I have in my head as these things are coming at you, like darkness, all of a sudden there's an explosion of power that just begins to radiate and push the darkness back because it has no hold on you. But Jesus says to come to me, come to me, and you will find rest. Matthew 11, 28 to 30, and I'm gonna read from the Amplified. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I love that. Come to him, and then he says, I'll take care of it. I'm going to cause you to rest. If Jesus is the cause of rest, then the result will be rest. He says, I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Why will we find ease and relief and refreshing of our souls because we understand how loved we are. We understand how loved we are, how far he was willing to go to show us how much he loves us. In Ephesians 3, verse 17, in the, in the Passion Translation, it says this, Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. I love how it says the resting place of his love. See, Jesus chooses to rest and live in you. In every heart of every believer, he chooses to live and rest and abide and dwell in you. He doesn't leave. He's not a visitor. He is a permanent resident in you. And it's that place where he rests his love that becomes the source and the root for our life. That's where we draw nourishment from. 
That's where we draw strength from. That's the place that will produce the fruit in our lives. As we stay vitally connected. How? By using our faith. Looking to him. Looking to him. And his life will be released deep inside of us. We come to him. His arms are wide open. Back to Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart. And you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls. I like that. Relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls. Why your souls? Your souls are composed of your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's the seat of decision-making. Choices are made there. Your body will follow where you decide to go. So if your mind is at peace, if your mind is at rest, if you are relieved, if you're at ease, if you have been refreshed, you've been recreated, there's a blessed quiet that comes upon your soul. And your body will have to follow. Sometimes the best sleeps we have are when we've just been in the presence of God, we've been worshiping, we've just been praising. Why? Because we're just in his presence. And everything begins to fall away. The stress and the worry, Lord, I'm just going to look to you. You love me. Then he goes on to say, for my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. I read the same scriptures in the Passion Translation. It says, are you weary? Carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life. For I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest. Where? In me. Jesus says you'll find rest in him. You want fullness? It begins with restfulness. It means allowing him to fill you through all your being. That you're not anxious about your tomorrows. You know who holds your tomorrow. You know that your future is bright. It's been decided. It's been prepared. You just trust him that you hear and that wherever he leads, you will follow. You trust him that he has the best in mind for you. God is always about what will be to your benefit, what's advantageous to you. That's what God's about. God will never ask you to give something up without having something better to give you because he's not a taker. He's a giver and not just any type of giver. He's a lavish giver. And he takes out of his abundance and he releases that to every single person. And we're people that say, Lord, we believe. And we make a choice to enter into his rest. Amen? Well, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Because this song came up in my heart while I was preparing this. 
but I'll just sing it to you. And maybe this is also your heart cry. But know that allow yourself to just be still in his presence and God will take care of everything that concerns you. Find rest my soul in Christ alone. Know his power in quietness and trust. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. And I will be still, know you are God. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, so with you above the storm father you are king over the flood and i will be still and know you are god father in the stillness that we set our hearts to just rest in your presence we thank you that you continue to speak and you continue to instruct and you continue to give and you continue to pour out into our lives today. We thank you that no matter what it is that is pressing against us, you are far greater on the inside of us. And we will find ourselves soaring and rising into heavenly heights because you are with us. When the floods come, we will find ourselves sure-footed and stable because we know on who the rock we stand upon. And so I thank you for every single person here today that they are refreshed, they are revived, their minds are renewed. There is an, uh, a new vigor that is released into their lives, a new energy that your life just begin to flow in all its fullness and all its abundance so that it's overflowing into every facet of our lives. But all the while, our eyes are continually fixed upon your face, seeing your beauty and experiencing your grace. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe some of you are just really tired, worn out, exhausted, because you've been doing things your own way for far too long. You feel overburdened. You feel like you can't go on. Is there anything more to this life and you can't see ahead? Well, Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. This invitation is for those that have never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have received Jesus, but you just thought, well, that's it. I have him in my heart, but I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to do things my way. But you've come to the end of yourself, 
and you realize this life isn't worth living if I don't have Jesus. And it really isn't because real life, real rest is found only in Christ. So if you're here today and you felt that tug in your heart and you heard that call, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And that's you just simply saying, I believe and I'm going to receive today. Receive Jesus into my heart. One, two, thank you for your hands. And three, thank you for your hands. This is about you and him. You might be downstairs in the fourth floor. You might be raising your hand. God sees. I'm going to ask you to put down your hands now. And we're going to pray. The congregation is going to pray along with you. Repeat this after me. Jesus, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you made it easy for me. That you made it easy for me to just step into your embrace. To just step into your embrace. You don't condemn me. You don't condemn me. You say you don't say I'm not worthy. You don't say I'm not worthy. You took my place on the cross. You took my place on the cross because of your great love for me. Because of your great love for me. And your love, and your love is what makes me worthy to receive you into my heart. Today, new life has begun for me. Today, I am yours and you are mine forever. Nothing and no one in all of creation can ever separate you from me, from me and me, and me from, you. from you thank you Jesus, thank you, Jesus. In, your name I pray. in your name I pray amen and amen and amen thank you for listening for more information follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com